0: Tuesday, today is February the 27th, and you're listening to My Farm. we well, taking a look at weather and climate. El Nino has been having a huge impact on the weather we've seen this winter, but that El Nino may be fading into the La Nina that will follow. We're going to take a look at what that means for our agriculture, weather here in Ohio and nationwide, and what we can expect going into the spring. We'll have details on that and more after this message from our sponsor. Sponsored by Seed Consultants. Simply the best value in the seed industry. Learn more at seedconsultants.com. Taking a look at your agricultural headlines, cold air has been hard to come by for the U.S. this winter. Thanks to a very strong El Nino that has had a persistent influence on our winter weather patterns, temperatures have been record-breaking in many ways. El Nino in part describes anomalously high sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean. And when El Nino occurs, it promotes a split jet stream that keeps the northern tier of the country warm and the southern tier active and cooler. Now, with the strength of the El Nino reaching over 2 degrees Celsius above normal headed into the winter and maintaining strength throughout the season, this background feature has been more common than any other pattern this winter. There have been some disruptions, though. When they've occurred, it generally meant near-normal temperatures across the U.S. and some periods of rain and snow. Now, sometimes it came with some below normal temperatures, but those instances were very brief, lasting just a couple days before the warmth returned. However, there was a long duration visit from a polar vortex in mid-January that will keep this winter from being the warmest ever in parts of the Northern Plains and out of the top 10 in the Central Plains. Temperatures 30 to 40 degrees below normal flooded the central portion of the country for a time, lasting up to 10 days in the northern plains, but less than a week in the far south and east. That brief visit was not enough to curtail the overall warm pattern. Now that pattern started on day one of winter in early December and has been consistent throughout the three-month period. A ridge developing in the central and eastern U.S. this week continues that trend to close out the last few days. Temperatures during the period will average 5 to 15 degrees Fahrenheit above normal through the end of February. And even the inclusion of one more day in this leap year with some cooler air moving in will not be enough to buck the trend. That cold air is coming in from a more active period to the end of the month as well. A large trough in the upper levels is going to set up and winter is going to try and make a last stand of sorts as it generates a strong storm system. The trough will be driving south from Alaska and parts of the Arctic down into the western Canada area. And this stronger trough will be carrying some colder air with it, but it'll largely stay there. Instead of the large trough will pick up another smaller trough over the Pacific Ocean and send it eastward. That should make for another round of widespread rain and snow for western states, and that should move through Through the rest of the country. Now, with the cooler air in Canada, that should allow for precipitation on the backside of the storm to produce some snow and bring a brief shot of cold air in the last day or two of February. However, because the air is being mixed from the colder Canadian air and the milder Pacific air, temperatures will not turn out to be all that cold. Daytime highs are generally expected to be around normal, while overnight lows could be a few degrees below normal. But that shot of cold is brief, lasting just a day, maybe two, before warmth returns headed into March. It truly has been a remarkable winter season due to that strong El Nino. Stay tuned, we'll be back with more after this message from our sponsor. Williamson Crop Insurance, home of Decision Max. Decision Max allows you a simple solution to
1: analyze your operation and make informed marketing and crop insurance decisions to make mitigate your risks. Manage your whole operation in one place with the ability to blend counties, marketing, and insurance coverage to give a complete overview of your operation. Williamson Crop Insurance, protecting the eastern corn belt since 1980. Learn more at crop coverage.com.
0: Thanks, Rod. We're going to change directions now. You know, the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service plays an interesting role in supporting growers wanting to move towards organic commodity production via the Organic Transition Initiative. USDA's Rod Bain has more. Producer
1: applications continue to be accepted for USDA's Organic Transition Initiative. And as Lindsay Haynes, Natural Resources Conservation Service National Organic
2: Specialist points out, we feel like NRCS can really help through this organic transition initiative through a new organic management standard to pick up all these pieces that aren't in our current existing standards and help support people learning all these new ways of organic production.
1: That's because even though NRCS offers technical and financial support through conservation practices such as cover crops, crop rotation, and residue management, Haynes acknowledges these practices take on their own significance as growers transition to organic production the shift from a chemically-based to a biologically-based system.
2: We want to help people learn all these different ways of organic production. So it takes mentoring, it takes hiring experts, it takes spending time every day in your decisions on how you're going to do things.
1: NRCS's new Organic Management Standard is part of its Environmental Quality Incentives Program, tied to the Organic Transition Initiative. Now, there might be some confusion regarding the OTI sign-up process in that each state has its own application deadline.
2: While it'd be nice to have one deadline for everyone across the country. It doesn't really support the local needs as well. Every state has different batching deadlines.
1: And in some cases, state deadlines have already passed. Yet, Haynes points to the importance of interested producers submitting OTI applications to their local NRCS office by the March 1st national deadline.
2: We want to get folks in the office to sign up whether the deadline is passed or not. So then if a state deadline is not missed, they will be definitely considered for this year. If a state deadline has been passed, once the national folks take a look at the demand and the need, an additional allocation will go to the states. And then states can then decide if your deadline is passed, do they want to fund a few more or do they want to delay till next year? And those that haven't passed the deadline, they will be considered for this year.
1: I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
2: Thanks,
0: Rod. That's what's making agricultural news on my farm. For my 102.7 WMYW, I'm Dusty Sonnenberg. You have a great day.